Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Welcome to Crunch Time. He'll put it though out in front of Ryder over the head of Ryder who kept his feet in the contest. Will run towards 50, load up towards the square. It's Bacon bouncing. Oh! Goal! Peter Wright on the run from outside 50 on a 45 degree angle. Puts it through for goal number five and extends the lead for the Bombers here at Marvel Stadium. Tossed into the air, draping in his hands to it. But the Bombers, their backs against the wall for the last week. They record their second win of the season against the arch rival by 27 points. Yeah, she's, uh, Chuck gave me a buzz a bit after lunch today. He's like, oh, well, we've uh, a bit shaky waters, this Arvo, and um, a few boys gone down. But uh, I think just the guys that came in, um, just their energy and attitude and willingness to play their role and guys nearly come in with a bit of a uh, talk about smiling. Um, anyone can jam it, I'll tell you what, for telling us to stop smiling. So we came in and uh, just a great vibe in the rooms and produced a fantastic performance. Well, it was a win for the ages for the Bombers under the pump all week in the media and with five late changes as a virus swept the club. Not many gave them a chance, but Ben Rutten and his charges dug deep and eight goal final term blitzing the Hawks to clinch their second win of the season. So, so to cap off a brief return, he did Not kick home. a goal earlier that was brought back. They won't take this one off him. The Tigers army voice their welcome returns for Dusty. Mate Smith hands off to Narkel, loops it over the top from the pocket. Quinton oh. Narkel from the boundary. Excellent finish from Quinton Narkel. Holman wrapped up straight away. Jesse's about to pull the trigger. Umpire lets him play. Fumbles in. Kaz Bolt on the left. Kicks the goal. It's all over. Magnificent stuff from the Gold Coast Suns. Incredible scenes at the SCG Gold Coast upsetting the Sydney Swans. The Tigers and Cats also on the winner's list in round eight. And the big key forward, they're putting on a show. Tom Lynch with six goals for the Tigers. Jeremy Cameron with five against his former side. We will unpack all of that and more right here on Sunday Crunch Time.
Good morning, everybody. Great to have your company wherever you are listening today. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. If you're listening, I hope you managed to get a sleep in or breakfast in bed, a cup of tea made for you. It is great to be here. We are at the MCG. Nat Edwards and Josh Jenkins with you. Brett Phillips to join us after midday as well. JJ, welcome to you. Happy Sunday. Likewise, Nat. Good morning. Yes, I um, had to take control of the baby monitor last night. So, um, I haven't had a lot of sleep, but that just means I'll just make up for it in coffee. But uh, good to be here. Looking forward to a, a good game of footy after one o'clock here. Um, the Saints and the D's. The Saints yes. got a sneaky chance. I know um, a little bit of that is me just saying the D's are probably just due. Um, <laughs> but looking forward to that game a little bit later. But also breaking down a very interesting uh, round eight of footy. Well, it's been jam-packed so far. We had the double header on Friday night, of course, to kick things off. And then five games of footy yesterday on Saturday, just the two on Sunday for Mother's Day, of course. Uh, another game, as you mentioned, Melbourne and um, St Kilda, but then Carlton and Adelaide coming up as well later this afternoon. But five games yesterday, likes and dislikes. What did you like? We'll start there with a uh, Likes and dislikes. I like that. Well, Peter, Peter Wright, I want to start with Peter Wright. I yeah. absolutely loved um, – I'm loving seeing Peter Wright's um, move and rise into elite yeah, status. Nice, he was completely gonski on the Gold Coast, and he is the number one man at Essendon, almost single-handedly dragged him across the line. And uh, kick three in the last quarter. Loving seeing what Peter Wright's doing. He's top three in the Coleman oh. race at the moment too. Tom Lynch obviously leading. And then, you know, Peter Wright on 23 goals. Who would have thought we would be saying that? But it, it's been incredible. He's apparently gone away, worked really, really hard over the preseason. We saw glimpses last year. And he's just putting together some consistent footy, which is excellent for Peter Wright and the Essendon Football Club because they're crying out for a key forward. Well, he's just maturing, isn't he? So he's only 25 years yeah. of age. His son's probably gave up on him a little too soon. The Bombers are reaping that reward. So he was, uh, he was the number one like for me uh, thus far. What about you? Oh, my Are you going to slip into the dark side? No, I, it's very easy to slip into a dislike because you mentioned Essendon and I think most people know I'm a Hawthorne fan, so a darkness descended over <laughs> my household last night and ruined my weekend. But I think a like for me certainly was the Gold Coast Suns. I mean, going to the SCG where they actually have a really great record. I think they've won four of their last six games at the SCG, but... The Suns, we've been waiting for something in this game plan that they've tweaked to actually finally click. And finally, it came together, the pieces of the puzzle yesterday for them at the SCG against a very, very good side in the Sydney Swans, but two losses in a row now for Sydney. But the one thing I really enjoyed yesterday, and we spoke about Isaac Rankin a couple of weeks ago mm. and just wanting to see something from him. Well, we did. And he was really impactful. I think it was two goals, two um, he didn't have a whole lot of touches, but it's what he did with it, his attack, his work rate as well, his tackling pressure. I thought he was outstanding. So that's a big tick and a big like for me out of uh, yesterday. Yeah, he was um, – he and uh, – they need to wear that blue jumper all the time, don't they? Do I they like only it. wear it against Sydney? I don't know. Yeah, it must be because of that jumper yeah, clash. Yeah, the white clash. But uh, every nice. time they put it on – well, yeah. every time they put it on, they win. I think they've won four of their past <laughs> five at the SCG. So they'll be uh, looking to make that uh, make that their home ground. Do we need to slip across to our dislikes? I think so. What's your big dislike from this weekend? Well, so it, it, it would be easy to look past the obvious because they, I don't think anyone watched them play. But what North – I laid in bed and 
and watch the end of the North game on my phone on silent. And I, yep. I felt like uh, the distraction or the narrative of the commentary was taken away from me, and I just purely watched the game. That was that was training for Fremantle. Some of the some of the ease of ball movements. You know, there was a period at half forward where Jed Anderson handballed it into the back of Horn Francis, who wasn't watching, and it was just chaos for for for, for North Melbourne. And they kicked three goals for the game. Fremantle kicked fifteen. They could have kicked many more. They were just sort of doing what, as they pleased. That was you sort of think it can't get much worse for North. And then each week, each yeah. week they serve up the same level of lowness, and it, it does yep. kind of get worse. And um, yeah, so so the ruse. It's uh, I hate to I hate to sort of feel like I'm you know, week after week stomping on the ruse, but you got to kind of you got to call it for what it is, and just not seeing any improvement for, from them at the moment. So they are the number one dislike. Yeah, look, it's pretty tough going at North Melbourne at the moment. My dislike, and it's. Oh, it's hard because the Eagles, we know everything that they've been through in terms of the COVID struggles, the injury struggles, but they've now lost by 330 points total in the last four games, which is the worst four-week patch in the club's history. They play Melbourne next week, so there is certainly more pain to come, and that is a a major dislike, but I more feel sorry for them and everything they've been through. It's so tough. Matthew Knight, standing coach. The standing coach has had a perfect record heading into this round and he was kind of um, handballed a... Yeah, it was unlikely that that was going to continue. Yeah, exactly. And, And probably another dislike from that game too is is the inclusion of Josh Rotham oh, for mine, absolute. which I don't understand oh. whatsoever. So he's gone out to a nightclub. I know they're investigating yep. it further um, during the week, but um, it was him and Jackson Nelson. Jackson Nelson obviously out with COVID protocols. Um, but, you know, Adam Simpson puts out a press release saying he's, you know, furious, furious. disappointed, obviously, and frustrated. And then all of a sudden... He's in the team. An hour later, so furious that they picked him to play. That was if they didn't if they didn't consider it to be a major breach or you know an issue. And Justin Longmuir, I think Fremantle's point of view has said, you know, we're not too worried about players going out and partying. Um, so if it's not a big deal, then don't 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 put out. the statement out and, and carry on and say those things because those words are completely. Um, Andy Maher, I was on with Andy on Friday on the run home and he read the statement out and then ripped it up because that's basically what you need to do with those words because you can't say that you are furious and then pick him. And I yep. know you've got um, you know, the bare bones to pick from, but you know, Hugh Dixon was left out yep. on his merits. He's on the senior list. He didn't have to play Rotham. He's not going to be a difference maker. He wasn't going to be someone who was going to... Well, he had four goals kicked on him. Well, the, you know, there you Charlie go. The Cameron. karma bus running him over. So, um, and I liked Will Schofield's tweet saying that the punishment was leaving him inside 50 with Charlie, <laughs> who, 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 uh, who probably wanted to dine out a little bit more. Yep. But yeah, that was complete, completely comical from West Coast. I don't really understand what they... I, I would imagine the... Um, Perth media are all over that trying to find out, well, hang on, this doesn't add up. Yep, I agree with that. So that's just a couple of likes and dislikes from the round so far. We will unpack each game uh, in more depth throughout the next couple of hours. But uh, time now for a break because Greg Stafford, Melbourne assistant coach, is going to join us on the other side of this as we count down, of course, to Melbourne and St Kilda at the MCG. Stay with us. You're listening to Sunday Crunch Time. The award-winning Crunch Time. 
Good morning, everybody. You're listening to Crunch Time for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the camel's call, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. And we'll be taking calls all weekend on the Kogan open line. Make the call. Switch to Koga Mobile from $2.90 for 30 days with a big 20 gig of data. Nat Edwards and Josh Jenkins with you. We're here at the MCG as we count down to the 110 game here between Melbourne and St Kilda. The undefeated D's, of course and uh, shortly forwards coach from the D's, Greg Stafford, will join us to chat a little bit about this game. JJ, can you see the D's losing at all? It's just been a perfect start to their uh, premiership defence. It has, Well, it, indeed it has. 7-0 and o suggests <laughs> that uh, things are going Absolutely along swimmy. pretty smoothly. <laughs> I, I think... Um, there's been some commentary around that they've sort of just been doing enough, and I think that's I, I think that speaks um, even more volume about just how good they are that they can you know sort of find it, find their groove and just sort of go around in fourth gear, fifth gear. Now that they wouldn't you know, concede that, and I don't think they even believe that or would even um, concede that they are. They're sort of going out there with the, the greatest of intentions, but. To, to, to be able to maintain the rage for an entire season, um, history says that's very hard, almost um, impossible. So, you know, I think we should expect to see a dip here or there. But if they have those games where they dip off a little bit, but they still win, that you know, that, that, that holds them in great stead. And they'll have, a, you know, a loss here or there. It might even be today where they learn a lot about themselves and they just, you know, it just helps you iron out a few kinks that may subconsciously slip in. So... Um, what they've done thus far has been, you know, brilliant. Premiership just sort of vindicates um, that they, you know, at different stages, well, on the journey last year, they thought they were good. Mm. They got that justification with a premiership. Now they know they're good and they're con- they've taken things to the next level and um, you speak to people and it's uh, the conversation is Melbourne or the field, which is an outrageous <laughs> thing to think, I 17 know. versus 1. But that is really yeah, it's where real. we sit at the moment. Yeah, the it certainly is. Uh, obviously, they were challenged last week by the Hawks, who got within 10 points, which is the closest any team has gotten to it them. Never, you know, it never felt that as close as that in my view. Yeah, no, um, you're right. They stretched them and yeah. Hawthorne sort of kicked a few, but it never felt no, that close. No. But I guess on the scoreboard, that's what uh, that's what the game is. But, um, yeah. Saints oh. probably might look a little bit of that. Obviously have completely different game style to, to mm. Hawthorne. So, but there might be a template there that they might be able to use. But massive ins for Melbourne this week. Obviously their coach Simon Goodman yeah. back from the protocols along with Luke Jackson, Alex Newell and Harrison Petty, Cozzy Pickett and Tom Sparrow. For the Saints, two massive ins as well. Zach Jones playing his first game. Obviously uh, been missing due to personal reasons. So it's great for the Saints yep. to have him back in the team and see Seemingly um, really well. Rowan Marshall, the other one, uh, coming back from that corked thigh, I think it was. So um, he's really, really crucial because they oh. just seem to play so much better with Rowan Marshall in there and, and actually having a, a ruck. Yes. Well, they uh, they can't rely upon Paddy Ryder to, to, to carry the ruck at his age. He'd be, I'd say he's 33, um, at a guess. Um, they play better together. They do. They play better together because Marshall Marshall's a really good around the ground ruckman. He is good at the, at the ruck contest, but he's more of an around the ground guy. He's very athletic. He's very crafty. He can get forward and, and kick a goal. He can get back and help. Ryder's brilliant at the centre bounce um, hit outs and can take a mark ahead of the ball. So they complement each other well. And 
Um, I think the re- their record together when they're in the side is uh, is quite phenomenal. So the Saints fans will be hoping that that can continue because they have got the biggest challenge in football with Max Gorn and Luke Jackson uh, confronting them today. On Max Gorn, I mean, I just remember watching him last week and it just Outrageous. seems like you, you just think, okay, he can't get any better even after last season and then he just continues to grow and, and add new dimensions to his game because, you know, he's really impacting on the scoreboard too, sort of in the last um, season and a half. He's really added that string to his bow. In your mind, is he the All-Australian captain right now? Do you oh, think? Yeah. yeah. Not close, is it? No. Well, who, who else is in contention, Cripps? really? Yeah, maybe Cripper. Um, Cripper. Uh, <laughs> um, go with the nickname. Uh, yeah, no. I, I couldn't imagine it would be close. Um, Hands the, down. The, the way he's been playing, he's the, he's the reigning premiership captain. His game last week, without Luke Jackson and everyone who, who listens to our show of a Sunday, Nat, knows what I think about Luke Jackson. Yes. But Max Gorn just said, well, just hold on a second because I'm still the man, almost you know, 29 touches and 35 hitouts kicked a couple last week. Yep. So um, be a big. it's going to be a big showdown between he and he and Action Jackson versus Paddy and Rowan Marshall will be the highlight of today's game, I reckon. And just a fun fact on the... Uh, Melbourne player they called the Leprechaun, which is Jake Bowie, because if the D's win today, he will be the only player in history to have won the first 15 straight games of his career Ever. without missing. Wow. Yes. Well, I think last week at quarter time was the first time he'd ever gone into a huddle trailing. trailing. <laughs> how's how's AFL footy for him? God, it's just incredible. His story is just um, unbelievable. I was watching an interview with him on afl.com.au during the week. And, yeah, it just – I think he's still pinching himself. And, and he be. does think that he is very fortunate and lucky to be in this position as well. And I think his teammates like to remind oh, him of that. He'd have to be. Incredible. <laughs> incredible. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. All right. Well, we are counting down to this Melbourne-St Kilda game. And uh, Greg Stafford – Forwards coach at the Melbourne Demons has been good enough to join us. Greg, welcome to you. Thanks for joining us on Sunday Crunch Time. Oh, pleasure, Nat. How are you going? Going well. How are all your um, troops travelling at the moment? Obviously, a few back from COVID protocols last week. Has it been okay for them on the track this week? I know that it can knock people around a fair bit. Yeah, they've, um, they've come back to the track and looked really good, actually. Um, and spoken to most of the boys, that. Their condition was fairly mild. Um, they'd have a bit of a runny nose and a bit of a cough and weren't feeling great on day one or two, but as the week progressed, they were sitting in their isolated existence thinking, why am I here? I feel so good. <laughs> so, um, no, they're, they're really good. They train well and, and they're ready to go. And, of course, great to have the coach himself, Simon Gooden, back in the box and off the back of signing a two-year contract contract extension as well, which is a massive boost for, for the whole club. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, one of the things that we've been lucky enough to, to get going over the, the last uh, little bit is some stability in personnel, um, hierarchy, key positions, key pillars, uh, and just to be able to sign you know, a terrific um, coach, obviously, um, is awesome for us. Uh, the, the players love him. I love working with him. Um, so it's great for our footy club. 
Just looking at the the team this week, obviously Sam Wiedemann's the one that catches the eye in terms of being omitted from the side. Just talk us through, I guess, from your point of view, obviously working with the forwards, what uh, what more you want from Sam. And I guess he has shown a little bit um, in the games that he's played this year, but it is pretty tough when you're fighting for your spot against the likes of Ben Brown and Tom McDonald. Oh, look, straight off the bat, Sam, Sam uh, is pretty stiff, to be honest. Um, his, his form was is not wasn't bad at all. Um, and what we have, uh, and part of being in a, in a strong roster with some high competition for spots, is the margins uh, for selection are really tight. Uh, and, you know, in some ways he's a victim of that in this instance. But um, knowing that he's uh, going to go away with the unbelievable attitude and how far he's progressed his game from last year to this year, uh, I know that it won't be long before he's back in. Well, we were probably just looking for a, a little bit more consistency in one of his key strengths, and that's his aerial game. Yep. Um, but having said that, he has, as I said before, progressed in a number of facets in his game and, and we look at him as an AFL player that's just not in the team as we speak today, but uh, I expect that that's going to change you know, in the future. Greg, Josh Jenkins here. Good luck this afternoon. You must, um, Your forwards must you know, take great confidence from the work that your midfield does. Of course, your backs as well, but your average plus 15 contested possession each and every week. So your guys must just be um, so confident and able to play the game the way they want to play, not be dictated to by defence, knowing that you're going to get so many good looks at the footy. Yeah, g'day, Josh. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're blessed with a really strong midfield. Um, some of the times it's my job to remind our forwards that the work that goes into getting that ball into our forward line needs to be matched by that same intensity and desire um, and pay tribute to that effort. Um, so that's my job and for the most part they do a good job and we, and we are, you, you're right, we, we are lucky to, to have those blokes in front of us. Um, yeah, and it's just you know a matter of us you now finishing our work off and taking those marks, getting that ground level pressure and finishing it off. And you'll have your work cut out for you as forwards today because the Saints are at number two in the game, only behind your boys down back for intercept marks inside uh, the D50. So, you know, Wilkie, Josh Battle, Dougal Howard, probably un- understated names, but are getting the job done in their, in their back half. So your guys, when you can't mark it, and I'm, you know, I've been there and uh, heard this <laughs> message a million times, when you're not in a great position, your guys are going to have to be able to bring it to ground and, and, uh, and create spills and give the ground level guys an opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, as much as you say perhaps unheralded um, in the wider footy community, don't worry, I've, I've spent a fair bit of time looking at this week and going, no, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. And most back sixes are, mate, as you'd know. Um, so we've just got to continue to fight the fight. Um, and so it'll be a really good battle for us. And as you say, really good aerial contest, match it with some ground level. It's my message every week. It's it gets hard when you get to you know around 20 and you've got to cook the sausages a different way <laughs> when, you, when you've got to continue to sort of preach that message. But um, we know what works in footy and we stick to it. You'll, uh, I know you'll be, uh, your job is to watch what's happening ahead of the footy, but there are four pretty good ruckmen out there mm. on the ground today. And uh, uh, with your background as a, as a big, strong, dominant ruckman, I'm sure you'll be uh, casting an eye across what Max and, and Luke are doing versus Paddy Ryder and Rowan Marshall, who do it in a different way, but are very, very effective when they are, are a tandem. Yeah, isn't it, isn't it wonderful to see the resurgence of the ruckman? And, and particularly, oh, not that the ruckman ever went out, but the, the duo. 
um, which I quite I quite love. Um, and you're right, four high quality ruckmen. Uh, I think I've spent too much time around Max. Uh, I've, I've grown a real love for opposition ruckmen now, which has never been the case in my <laughs> past. It was always quite easy to to be the other way. But uh, you look at Paddy and, and Ryan, and geez, they're a good combination. And we know how important they are to their setup, and um, they bring different things. Um, you know, Paddy's a real talisman, isn't he? He's, he's got some beautiful craft and touch in his hand. Um, got great footwork, competitor. Um, Marshall can cover the ground well. His, his follow-up game's good, and, and he too he loves the contest and and wants the ball in his hand, which is always a good thing when you see a, a big man. He just wants the ball in his hand so he can do something with it. Um, so they're a great combination. I, I've got a lot of respect for them and, and like watching them play. And just before we let you go, Tom McDonald plays his 200th game today, probably oh, 12 months or so ago. We thought maybe his career might have been over. He managed to rejuvenate himself. He's eating a lot of meat, a lot from what I can tell on Instagram. He's obsessed with it. But just talk about, I guess, his resurgence and, um, you know, over the last sort of 12 months and, and the impact that he has on his teammates off the field as well. Well, you're right. I mean, there's no, there's no getting away from the fact that um, prior to the start of last season, there was a bit of talk and it was there. But he went away, worked extremely hard. And for a player, you know, who I inherit a forward line and then you inherit a player in his late 20s and then his ability to just be all open and, and ready to receive and, um, and want to be better... Um, and work hard, he he gave himself the opportunity to change the narrative, and he did. And so a lot of the credit has got to go to him. Um, You know, only, what, 2 or 3% maybe play 200 games in the league? That's that's unbelievable. And I think for a Melbourne player, that's about down to 1%. 1% of people that come through this fine club actually get to this mark. So it's a testament to his... Um, endurance, but also his talent. I mean, even though he had some wobbly periods, he's a he's a really exciting prospect, both air and ground. And I love working with him. And he has a profound impact on our group. He's a you know he's a strong leader. He's thoughtful. Um, and when he's at his best, geez, he, he makes the game look easy, and he does a lot good for us. Oh, he certainly does, Greg. Thank you so much for joining us on Sunday Crunch Time. Really appreciate your time, and best of luck this afternoon against the Saints. Pleasure. Thanks, Nat. See you, Josh. Greg Stafford there, the forwards coach from the Melbourne Demons as Ben Brown just runs out onto the MCG here. It's looking very nice. <laughs> Fully kitted up. Everyone I know, he's ready to go. <laughs> Everyone, it's like he's run up, isn't it? He's, uh, he's the most prepared player. He's got the knee strapped up already. He's got the footy socks on. He's got the warm-up top. Everyone else on the ground, everyone else yep. on the ground, is still in a tracksuit. I know. I love it. He's just raring to go, isn't he? He's this could be ominous signs roll. then. For... It was good. I've never spoken to Greg Stafford. He was, uh, he it was, was quite, excellent. He was very good to talk to. So it's the beauty of this uh, job, isn't it, Nat? You sort of get to you get to speak to different people who you've never come across. Certainly, I was a Richmond, uh, Richmond fan when I was a kid. So Greg Stafford, know him well and um, didn't know he was looking after the Melbourne forwards. But I loved that some of the messaging and some of the honesty about you know, it is a monotonous message that he has to give to his to his forwards. You know, bring the ball to ground yep. and blah blah blah. He knows it's monotonous, but he also knows how important it is. So um, you love that honesty. And I think again, that's the Melbourne. That's the um, that's the. It's not. There's no arrogance at all. It's we know we're good, um, and we're confident to sort of talk about the game in a different way than perhaps North or West Coast would be at the moment. So 
Yeah, it was a great chat with uh, big Greg Stafford. Yeah, I mean, it goes across. It's not just that message to the forwards either, but across the board to all the Melbourne players. I mean, they won a flag last year. It'd be easy to just be a little bit complacent and and drop off slightly. You know, we've achieved this, but they just look more hungry, um, more driven, in particular some of the guys who missed out, just to really get back there again. And, of course, get back there and experience potentially um, playing in a grand final at the at MCG the well, in front here, of their faithful. When they did the, um, you know, the cup comes home yeah. or whatever they called it. Yep. And, um, and, and almost everyone who took the stage and spoke, spoke about winning one here. You yep. know, it was great. It was amazing to break the drought. But we want to win one here in front of, you know, 60, 70, 80,000 Melbourne fans. And um, you know, that's a strong desire. And, and you need something tangible to, to, to cling on to. To be able to go back to back, I think it's easy to say we're going to do it, but when it's when you know, when it's really hard at the end of the third quarter, the end of the fourth quarter, or training, or you've got injuries, to say, look, remember we said we wanted to win one in Melbourne mm. in front of our home fans, and uh, they get another chance to get one step closer today against the Saints. No, they certainly do. All right, time now for a break. On the other side of this, we will chat about the Giants and Cats game and Richmond and Collingwood. Stay with us here on Sunday Crunch Time. award-winning crunch time you're listening to crunch time for thirsty camel bottle shops answer the camel's call thirsty camel bottle shops hope you've been having a fantastic weekend if you're just joining us for the first time welcome happy mother's day to all the mums out there as well hope you're having an enjoyable sunday morning we're counting down to the melbourne st kilda game here at the mcg but there were five games of footy on saturday and we might as well just delve into the game uh between the Cats and the Giants yesterday, that one up in Canberra, fresh conditions, I believe, but the Cats getting the job done, 12-16-88 against the Giants, 4-11, a very inaccurate Giants side, 35, the Cats by 53 points, they're now 5-3, and three. the Giants though, 2-6, and six. are they done, do you think? Is that season, like finals out well, of the question? close to it, I mean, <laughs> seven days ago, they go to Adelaide and, and torch the Crows at Adelaide Oval, and that's no mean feat. We know Adelaide aren't, aren't um, one of the premier teams, but over in Adelaide, they're a pretty good side. So they go over and thump them, and then you know don't offer up too much resistance against the Cats yesterday in Canberra. So um, hard, to, hard to know what to make of the Giants, but they were very... Um, they were very tame yesterday. They, they just couldn't get that run going that they yeah, had against Leon Adelaide. Yeah, Liam Cameron was very critical of um, of the way that they played and executed and their slow um, uh, game style yesterday and um, you know, the unwillingness to, to move the ball with speed and challenge the Geelong defenders and the Geelong defensive system. So, yeah, it was a, it was a tame performance from, from the Giants. And going in, I mean, um, complete transparency. I was really um, worried about how how uh, Geelong would go just because of what Chris Scott spoke about in the post-match. It was a very, very um, – uh, there was a lot of turmoil a- around the club throughout the week just from a personnel point of view, yep. injuries and guys going down. And I not mean, knowing... Reece Stanley losing him. Yeah, so, you know, and Reese was sort of touch and go. And, I mean, on Tuesday, he and I were doing um, uh, touch with the footies and he was seated – he was on a chair. So, oh sort of doing everything to try and get him right and – 
He got himself up and going you know, late in the week, but ultimately it was just sort of uh, a bridge too far for him to yep. get out there. And it's one thing to be able to say, you know, I'm ready to go, but you, you need to be able to, to perform. And I think um, it's, it was the right decision in the end from the coaching group to say, look, we could put you out there, but we're probably doing you a disservice asking you to try and perform to your best or somewhere near your best when you're not ready. So that left a, a huge void because Asava Radagalia didn't come up. Um, Toby Conway is a young ruckman who we've got high hopes for, who's who's um, making his way back, hasn't played any VFL footy yet. And John Segler's out injured as well. So we didn't have any other rucks mm. on the list. We had none. And uh, Mark Blitzarves, uh, thankfully, he's the most versatile player in the game. He's incredible, he's, isn't he? Uh, he's, uh, he, he's the most athletic player in the game. He probably runs as far or further than anyone else, but he can also play in the ruck. Yeah. He's 104 kilos and about six foot five and he did a great he did he did a better than great job he yep. did a he did an, a, an unbelievable job uh, against Braden Bruce and Matt Flynn because that was the other thing that is um it wasn't to sort of take on a Nankervis who does no. all of the work it was two big genuine ruckmen yep. that Blitzarves had to take on and Sam DeConning sort of chopped out for one or two minutes a quarter but um, Mark Blitzarves is a, is a very unique player. He's a unicorn, and he was able to really um, – he, he was very, very good. 25 disposals. Um, the longer the game went, the better he became in the hit-out stakes as well. So he was, he was a really, really good player yesterday. He certainly was. Someone else that was a really good player, and I think that we haven't probably talked about enough, is Tyson Stengel yep. and what he is doing at ground level. Kicked three really classy goals. I think he had 20 touches, five tackles. He's had 16 goals this season in his eight games, but his pressure inside the forward 50 is excellent. And I know we always talk about Jezza and Tom Hawkins, yes. but yep. Tyson Stengel, I just think, is having a really great impact. And it's such a great story, too, coming from where he's come from in the Sample last year. Yeah, and can I played with him at Adelaide yeah, and course. now uh, crossing paths with him um, at the Cats. But the consistency of performance for, for that role as yeah. well, he... He plays that small forward role. He had five touches in, in all four quarters, which is a great level of involvement throughout the game. Still ladies, five tackles, had plenty of pressure acts, so um, high up in score involvements and kicks his three goals. And, and, and the, the goal-scoring element becomes or comes quite easy to him because he's so he's uh, got such great goal instincts and um, he gets opportunities because a lot of the focus from the defenders does go towards the Tom and Jerry show. So... Um, yeah, he's he's been excellent this year, and I mean he's he's among the best performed small forwards across the competition. It's probably snuck up on people, but he's he is um, he's kicked his sixteen goals. He's been very um, very good in the team's wins, and he's been pretty good in a couple of um, losses as well. So he's had a great season, and it's been more than I guess Cats hierarchy could have hoped for. Yes, certainly. Patrick Dangerfield returned as well after missing the last couple of weeks with a corked calf. Had 28 touches, 13 of those contested, five clearances. Mitch Duncan finished with 33 touches. He had 16 disposals in the first term. He was on fire. Um, 11 score involvements as well and 12 marks. And, of course, you're missing Joel Selwood too. So it was a really terrific win by the Cats. Yeah, there were just there were guys going down left, right and centre. It was just unbelievable, the... Um the, 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 the bodies that were sort of unsure or out or we weren't sure. Max Holmes was about the oh. only one we knew was out. And um, in the end, the Cats only had three um, AFL-listed players in the VFL team yesterday, one of wow. which was Gary Rowan, who is un unavailable yep. for selection because he's sort of making his way back from a long-term injury. So Luke Dalhouse and Shannon Neal were the only two playing in the VFL 
um, outside of the 26 or 25 that went up to, to Canberra. So it was a... It was a great performance. You don't often hear Chris Scott sort of talk in those terms, mm. and he was very proud of of the uh, of the players first and foremost because they are the the guys who have to go out and get the job done. But also those who sort of put the systems in place to allow the players to stay focused despite a lot of carnage in the background. And of course, you had two debutants in Cooper Stevens and Mitch Nevitt, yep. who as both looked well. good. I thought yeah. both looked. Comfortable at the level. Cooper Stevens is a third-year player, high draft pick, been made to wait uh, through injury and, you know, good form in the AFL team. So he's had to wait his turn, and I thought he was really good. 19 disposals, looked at home, and hopefully he gets more opportunities. And I think sometimes, it, you know, you, you need to see it. You just want to see it. You want to see them comfortable at the level to be able to say, you know what, next time it's a 50-50, we know he can do it, so we'll put him in there and uh, give him another opportunity. So, And Mitch Nevitt, the same, come in, mm. I think, about quarter time, somewhere thereabouts, you know, ended up with 15 disposals and, and looked good as well. So, um, you know, those two guys, Francis Evans, played his first game of the season. So sort of some youth thrust upon the uh, the coaching staff and and, uh, and and to get away with such a real... It was a dominant win, a great defensive performance, still was able to score or generate 28 scoring shots, still kicked inaccurately, which has been a bit of a theme across the competition, but certainly at the Cats as well. But, you know, 28 scoring shots, held the opposition to four goals, couldn't ask for much more considering the circumstances. And then, of course, on the Giants' side of things, Leon Cameron describes the game as boring, the way that they played <laughs> flat. He was clearly frustrated and disappointed with the loss. The week before against Adelaide, it was their, their big stars and their leaders yeah. who really led from the front in Cornelio and Whitfield. They had impact on the scoreboard as well. But this week, it was a totally different story. At halftime, Cogs, Whitfield, they had seven touches each. Green had just three at halftime as well. When the game was there to be won, when they needed their leaders to stand up, they weren't there. Yeah, they weren't. They were nowhere to be seen. And um, yeah, even Haynes, who generates a lot for yeah. them down back, he only had five touches in the first half, only nine for the game. So, um, you know, it was a focus of most teams, but certainly a focus of the Cats to try and nullify Nick Haynes' intercepting abilities. And as you mentioned, you know, Toby Green wasn't able to get into the game uh, particularly early, sort of, you know, got into it late, seven disposals and got involved on the scoreboard uh, the longer the game went, but was well held early. Um, and, and that was despite his matchup, Jeb Hughes going off with a concussion. Mm. So he probably would have sort of perked up a little bit when he saw his direct opponent go off with, with concussion, but other guys filled the void. Coniglio, off the back of a really strong performance last week, had 20 disposals and kicked three against the Crows. You know, it was really quiet with 16 touches. Taranto was down a little bit. Tom Green still played really well, but um, yeah, a lot of those guys who are really, really um, dominant and, and impactful against Adelaide just weren't able to have the same level of impact against Geelong yesterday afternoon. Yeah, so back to the drawing board once again for the Giants. The Cats, though, 5-3. and three, They're sitting in fifth spot at the moment on the ladder. The other game yesterday afternoon was here at the MCG. About 66,000 people to see the Tigers beat the Pies 17-11, to 12-14, 86. The Tigers now in the top eight just. They're four and four. The Pies in ninth with four wins and four losses as well. But this game was all about Tom Lynch and, of course, the return of Dustin Martin. And this is what Coach Damien Hardwick had to say after the game on Dusty's return. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was great to see him back and... You know, I think the, the the fans and the AFL in general, I think we're happy to see him, you know, come and step on the ground. So, 
yeah, it was a pretty touching moment. I think when he kicked that goal and the whole side, you know, got to him and I'd say there's a few misty eyes in the coach's box and down below as well. It was just a, you know, a nice moment to, to get some reward for his, you know, his hard work that he's put in on himself. So we're pleased. 23 touches, two goals. He played predominantly forward, had a couple of bursts in the midfield as Dusty does. But footy is better for having Dustin Martin playing Absolutely it is. He's, um, he's still the, the blockbuster. You know, he and Buddy, I think, are the two yeah. prime-time box office guys in the AFL, across the AFL. So, you know, it's a step straight in. I know he did a big session, a big training session and a match sim-type session last weekend to, to be in readiness. But there's no doubt he was underdone. He would have been um, underprepared to play AFL footy. Uh, but he stepped straight in. That's why he would have played forward a lot, just to sort of take the burden off him a little bit, not to have to run around in the midfield for four quarters. But, you know, 23 disposals, as you said, kicked a couple of nice goals. Um, he was... He was. Um, he, he probably... I don't think he can be Dusty of old, but I think him back in the lineup. That's what strikes fear. That's what I think across the competition you still think are they when they have performances like this, can they be the Richmond of old? It sort of sounds the alarm when you see Richmond. I wasn't sure about this game, but when they go and uh, put in a dominant performance uh, like that behind Dusty and behind Tom Lynch, as you said, just um, it just makes everyone else stand up and think, oh, they maybe they still have one last hurrah in them. Potentially. Well, they are inside the top eight at the moment. We'll get back to talking about that game in just a moment because St Kilda's head of football program, David Rath, has been good enough to join us. Welcome to Sunday Crunch Time, David. G'day, Nat. G'day, Josh. How are you going, guys? We are going very well, thank you. Uh, just talk us through how things are going at the Saints. Obviously, a really big challenge for you guys today coming up against the Premiers in Melbourne who are undefeated, but a good chance to, I guess, test yourself. Yeah, I think that's the sort of narrative, isn't it? There's no bigger test in footy at the moment than the Ds um, on the G as well, which is good for us to get another look here. We, we don't play a lot of games here, but it sort of suits our style, I think. Um, so we're sort of, you know, we're looking at this game as a real opportunity to sort of not frank our form, but, but test yep. how we're travelling against the best in the comp. And there's a lot of stuff we're doing which is, gives us some confidence that we'll be in this game. Um, you know, the, the challenge will be to, to stick to what we do and, and do well and uh, keep doing that for 120 minutes. It was a really tough slog last week in Cairns. How has the team recovered from that? I imagine it was uh, pretty much recovery base for the front half of this week. Yeah, you're right, Nat. It was definitely, you know, it was. Um, it's a funny game, isn't it? Footy, it seems a really different environment here at the G than it was last week. <laughs> and, you, you know, faced with different challenges during the year and that was, a, that was a different one for us. But, no, our boys have bounced back well from it. And this, you know, I think you get a sense of sometimes when you, you know, when you do, um, you know, get a physical challenge, um, that you can rebound from it reasonably quickly and come out stronger. And, and we're hopeful our boys have recovered really well from that. David, Josh here. Good luck this afternoon. Now, I may have been fed some misinformation because I was having a chat to a good mate of mine, Brad Crouch, and he said you may have been down uh, a coach or two, but I swear I just saw Corey Enright walking across the MCG. So are you at full, full strength in the coaching box today? Is Brad... Send me a couple of No, questions. no, we, not quite at full strength. Actually, Boris has uh, timed it beautifully because he uh, his seven days expired yesterday, oh. so he didn't miss a game because we had the, the eight-day break. Um, so that worked well for him. It's his first day back in the program. He's been out all week and sort of zooming into meetings and stuff. But unfortunately, Brennan Laid has, uh, has gone down during the week. So we are one down. 
um, and Damien Carroll will step into that, that role for us in the box. Um, Lady will be zooming in and uh, have all the support from the AFL with all the stats at home. So, yeah, we're sort of getting used to that, I think, in being versatile. And uh, we're fortunate in our program we've got some people who can step into those roles who've got some experience. So, yeah, one down again, mate. How has, uh, how has Corey Enright's um, introduction into the Saints been? He's, you know, he's sort of uh, almost... Uh, admired by all for what he did on the field, 300-plus games, the way he went about it was um, was loved by all. He's got the nickname Boris. He's a very cool customer, having spent a couple of years with him. What's his, been, uh, his coaching style been like for, for your guys? Yeah, I think you've sort of nailed it, mate. He's so well regarded across the industry, and we, you know, we um, looked... Uh, at Corey as a, as a coach, we wanted him in our program from from some time for some time, and we sort of we it took a while to to get that to happen. But um, he's you know he's been fantastic for us. Yeah, our, our defence has consolidated under his um, his leadership and direction. You look at the form of of you know Josh Battle, who you know over the past couple of years has we've tried him forward and back, and he needed to settle into a position. And Corey's been fantastic for him. Um, our team defence has, has been one of our strengths this year on the back of some of the, you know, the direction that he's, he's brought to it. But you're right, he has that calm presence. Um, he's not flustered um, and he, he's just got that, that sense of assuredness which the players love. And he's got some really good intellect that he brings into our discussions in the, in the coaching realm as well. Now I'm watching Jack Higgins really meticulously go through some goal-kicking practice and he and um, one of uh, his taller teammates have had a few issues at different stages. But... Is you know is there a fine balance? But there, well, there is a fine balance, isn't there, between um, you know practicing you know to to get better, but also you know doing it so much that it becomes a mental thing. So you know those guys got a, a nice balance. It looks like between you know trying to to practice and, and trust their routine but not overthink things in front of goals. Yeah, I think that's the you know the journey you're on as a forward, Josh, isn't it? That your sort of form can come and go a little bit. Um, and particularly with young players, it takes a while to sort of ride that out and work out what are the sort of non-negotiables and the things you want to stick at um, in the way you practice. And both those boys are working through that. Um, yeah, they've missed some shots that they would love to have made, um, but the important thing is that they consolidate their practice and their process and trust that. Um, you know, Jack's been working really hard with Ben Robbins on his routine. Um, Max has too, so they're putting in the work. And you're right; it's you know, it's not necessarily more practice, but it's better practice is, is the key there. I think. A couple of big ins for you today: Zach Jones and Roel Marshall, of course. But nice to have Zach Jones back in the side for his first game of the season after taking personal leave. He then sort of came back and injured himself again. Football clubs are a great place to be when you're going through a tough time. Just talk about, I guess, the club and, and rallying behind Zach and getting him back to this point where he's able to return to footy today. Yeah, look, it's terrific to have him, have him back. He's obviously had some personal issues he's worked through and um, he's, he's in a really good spot now. He did have an interrupted journey back. He was ready to go um, a few weeks ago and then and then got COVID, which set him back. So he's probably a week or two behind where he could have been. Yeah, um, yeah you're right. Football clubs are, are very, you know, very good places to be. Um, the club, you know, wraps its arms around you and, and you've got to give people space to do things when they're ready and, and it's great to have Zach back he's sort of you know adds that little bit of, of bite to our midfield um, and a little bit of something different so yeah we'll hope he'll build into some really strong form over the next couple of weeks. David thank you so much for joining us on Sunday Crunch I really appreciate your time and best of luck against the D's this afternoon. Pleasure guys. David Rath there, head of football at the Saints. And uh, Hunter Clark played VFL yesterday. He's coming back from a shoulder injury, 26 touches, playing mainly off half back. So we look forward to his return, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, for the St Kilda Football Club.
You giving them a chance? Yes, I am. I am. Yeah. Um, now, no doubt, some of some of that is um, is just me thinking that Melbourne are due for a, a, a down performance <laughs> or a bit of a slump. But I, I like I like what they bring the Saints. Um, I, uh, I I sort of thought that if this game was at Marvel, I'd be even more confident. But everything that you hear out of St Kilda is they quite enjoy coming to the MCG. Their form here is really yeah. good. It's um, better than I thought it was. So, um, yeah, I think I, I give them a good chance. You know, some of the, the numbers stand up. You know, we, we talk about Melbourne's um, defensive setup and their structure and Stephen May and Lever and these guys, but St Kilda are right there behind them. And, you know, I guess the premiership is what adds to the reputation of May and Lever, but they are very good players. They're all Australian-type players. But um, And that was why I asked the question of Greg Stafford because, you know, Wilkie, Dougal mm. Howard, Josh Battle, their reputations are nowhere near no. what Lever and May have, but the numbers stack up. So exactly. big chance of Saints. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this game. Obviously, a one ten start today. Plenty more still to come on Sunday crunch time. BP to join us after 12 o'clock, and we will dissect the Essendon and Hawthorne game. So don't go too far. We'll be back right after this. Welcome to Crunch Time, brought to you by iSuzu. Go your own way with the three-liter iSuzu D-Max and extraordinary seven-seat MUX. Hello and welcome to Crunch Time. This is the pre-game show for Thirsty Camel. Answer the camel's call. Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Welcome to you if you're just joining us for the first time. Happy Mother's Day to all of the mums out there. Hope you've had a sleep in or maybe breakfast in bed and there's plenty of treats left to come for the rest of the day. We are at the MCG counting down to the game between Melbourne and St Kilda today but there's been heaps of footy on. It was a blockbuster Saturday with five games of footy. The winners, Richmond over the Pies. The Suns, shock winners over the Sydney Swans. The Cats got the job done against the Giants. West Coast, unfortunately, going down to the Brisbane Lions, and that could have been a lot worse than it was. And, of course, the Bombers in the big story of the round. We will get to that in just a moment. Nat Edwards, Josh Jenkins, and Brett Phillips with you on this Sunday afternoon. BP, welcome to you. Thank you, Nat. Nice to always uh, be at the G on a Sunday after, uh, well, not so great finish for you as a Hawthorne uh, fan (laughs) at Marvel last night. But, you know, I had the binoculars on Ben Rutten and that three-quarter time huddle, and I thought they did a great job, Eston, just to hang in there prior to three-quarter time and just stay in the contest. And then the avalanche started the tsunami in the last quarter. It was just uh, red and black uh, dominance. There are certain sights at the footy. When Eston are on a tear like that at Marvel, it is one of the great sights. I actually came here as a spectator for the second half of Richmond and Collingwood and uh, sat with a couple of Richmond people I knew, and it's good to just get out of the commentary box and sit amongst the faithful and... Every time Dustin Martin went near the ball yesterday, just the lift and the mm. uh, just the contact between uh, the Richmond supporters. How good is it to have Dusty back? And that's a great sight when Richmond are flying at the MCG. So, yeah, Essendon had to make a statement. I mean, one and seven, they were staring at. It was uh, it was a mighty finish. We spoke to Darcy Parrish post match last night. It was super impressive. And yeah, they uh, they got some great value those two. He and Merritt, you know, it was, it was more forward footy, but. I love the kids last night. I mean, as Nick Del Santa knows, we were calling the game. I couldn't get enough of uh, young Martin, Hobbs. I yeah. thought they were pretty instrumental. 
particularly in the third quarter, as I mentioned, when they had to hang in there, Isnam, it's almost like just for a little period there, they just sort of carried the team on their shoulders and said, we're going to step up here because this game uh, could get away. And, you know, I've loved watching Hawthorne uh, this year, but, gee, they've, they've, <laughs> they've had some opportunities to be in a much better position, but there is some real growth there. But, yeah, gee, they've had a, a couple of um, you know, lean periods late in the game, overrun by Sydney and Tassie, yeah. and then... Last night, a couple of games they'd love to get back. Well, it leaves them three and five at the moment. Just talking through the Bombers' week, though, in, in the lead-up. So they lose Jake Stringer. He's not going to play. They're under the pump from the media all week long. Then before the game, that morning, Ben Rutten's getting phone calls from the doctor saying, we've got this virus that's gone through the club and we're going to have to make five late changes. One cha- of those changes actually came through as Ben Rutten was driving to the ground. He wow. got the call saying, yep. Sam Durham's not going to make it. Mm. What do we do here? And I think it was Alistair Lord who gets the call up for his very first game of footy. It was the Medi sub and didn't get on in the end. But it was just an incredible. And, and the way that went about it, JJ, from a player's perspective, when all of those hits keep coming, did, can it even free you up just to go, right, we've got absolutely nothing to lose now. Just go out there and play free footy? Yeah, well, it's probably one way or the other. There's no middle ground on that. And I think we saw the same with Geelong, you know, with, with what happened there, no ruck. It's easy to mm. think, gee, we're in trouble here. But it's also uh, the, the, the positive spin or the glass half full element is like, let's just throw a caution to the wind. And that's what I saw with uh, Essendon in that fourth quarter, BP, is it was less you know, less methodical and less uh, system and perhaps less about how they're trying to play long-term, more about that's what we've seen from Essendon. And Essendon have been among the most exciting teams to watch across the last two, three, four years when they're up and going, particularly at Marvel. And we saw that in the fourth quarter. They piled on eight goals and it was just speed. It was relentless, um, you know, downhill attack. And Hawthorne were powerless to stop it. It was good to see. It was. And it was good decision-making because... Obviously, I did the game the week before, and their first instinct was to sort of handball backwards, or let's handball yep. sideways. And, and you know, you'd hear a Zach Merritt crying for the footy, and then that decision-maker would turn inside, or he'd go to a better option. So the vision was better and uh, just better decision-making, um, you know, under the, the pressure cooker of playing uh, elite footy when it's pretty uh, pretty frenetic, uh, particularly at that grand with the balls, you know, zipping up and down at, at Marvel Stadium. So whether it's going to be a catalyst now to... A rejuvenation from Essendon. We'll have to wait and see because uh, the assignments are tough every single week. But if they could bottle that and, and bring that on a consistent basis, I mean, they're just a dangerous footy team. They have been. Their best is very good, but we don't always get to see their best, And then you've got Peter Wright, whose confidence is they're just good. growing from week to week with, you know, six goals last night and a match-winning performance, really. Three goals in that final term. 23 goals for the season so far. Top three in the Coleman race. He is just growing, and it is great to see. I think it was... Gary Lyon, in fact, who may have said that he uh, was resembling a little bit of uh, Wayne Carey, which is a big call. Large call, yeah. That is a big (laughs) call from Gaz, but we'll bow to his judgment, of course. (laughs) We Uh, shall. Yeah, I mean, if you put it to his right side, Josh, I mean, you would know this is a a forward. If you've got the guys coming upfield and and you want to kick to your advantage, and if you can kick it to Peter Wright's advantage, he is... He's just tough, isn't he, to yep. outmark he aerially. Got that long extension. He kicks the ball sweetly. And the other one is Aaron Francis. We just have never been able to yep. see him play regular footy across a whole season. I can't think off the top of my head how many games he's played, the most games he's ever played in a season. But he's got a bit of X factor about him. And suddenly got a couple of guys inside forward 50 
to kick two with a bit of prominence. And they went with the dual rucks, which was interesting yeah, it was. last night because yeah. Draper couldn't get a look in early. Didn't have a touch in the first quarter. He got a little rev up because he came out I think he had the flu as well. In the second quarter, okay. yeah. I was going to say, well, it can't work. He's had four disposals, but 108 super coach points. <laughs> work that out. Um, oh, that's why I don't play super coach because I can't understand that. But, yeah, I, the, the, the two rucks, probably for them, uh, they're a little similar, but Wright's playing so well that you, you don't want to rob your forward structure to, to take Wright out of the forward line. And I guess aside from that, you have to throw someone in there who's just completely undersized. They're almost sort of uh, handcuffed into playing uh, two rucks. But I, I would presume that uh, a fully fit Draper, and you know, if he was under the weather, then yep. that explains why he probably was a little slow to start and, and, and didn't have his biggest game. But I think he's the one who needs to play 85 90%. That's why the, the, the uh, midweek commentary around them going after Rowan Marshall seemed mm. a little bit strange to me. Um, and we know all those things aren't necessarily true. But, um, yeah, they, they when they play with vigour and speed, and I think they need to be true to themselves. And, a lot, a lot, you know, every team wants to be contest one, defence two, offence three. The, the order might be a little bit different for Essendon. And and when I played in good teams at Adelaide, the order was different for us. I, I think the coaches always said it was contest, defense, offense, but we were so potent that offense was at least as important. Yeah. And I think Essendon are, are, are that way, are built that way as well. They need to play with that speed and flair. Look, they might give up 90, but they'll probably be able to score 100. Yeah. When they play like that, they're a more dangerous-looking team. Well, on the flip side, though, the Hawks were super disappointing after leading by 25 points in that third term to once again capitulate in the fourth. Their midfield was blown out of the water. This was the coach, Sam Mitchell, after the loss. Not you know, it wasn't until uh, I think they kicked, you know, five goals in five minutes pretty much halfway through the last quarter. Um, so it's probably a bit late at that point for the complacency call. So I don't think it was that. I think we just got outplayed when the game was right on the line. And just at the end of the day, it just wasn't to the standard that we expect. Um, you know, we just didn't play at the level that is required to play consistent AFL football. When do you think it changed? Their midfield numbers. I mean, Jago Mira, I thought, had one of his best games that I've seen for a really long time. He actually looked quick quick at times, which um, he hasn't in in a very long time. 28 disposals, 13 score involvement, six tackles. Jai Newcomb had 28 and five clearances. But the 22 touches came in the first half. He had one disposal in the last term. He can't do it all. And I think there's really a depth issue in terms of they're all very much the same player. Mm. And I would never normally say this, but kind of miss Connor Nash, who is not always my favourite Hawthorne player, but he's just a different size. He's got a bit of speed. And I think they, they missed him uh, last night as well. And just the forward pressure from the Hawks. So yep. they're averaging four, uh, sorry, 10 tackles inside 50 for the season. They had four last night, 45 um, tackles last night as well as a whole, but the season average 53. I just thought their small forwards didn't, put enough pressure around the ball and lock it in that 50. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and look, John Newcomb's first half was unbelievable. Yeah. 22. And there, there were 22 good touches. I mean, he's as tough as a cat's head. He's just, <laughs> he's a ball-winning ability. And now he's added a little bit of polish. Wasn't it his first game where he had more tackles than yeah. possessions? It was <laughs> yeah. at the SCG, I think, yeah. last year. And he's uh, he's become almost their, you know, their number one midfield. I want to ask you about Tom Mitchell. Mm. Just 
14 touches. Yeah, yeah. Just, just what what he's doing around the footy, Josh, and the value of his possessions. And as we talk about this midfield needing maybe a different type of dynamic. Yeah, well, I, I didn't. Um, I was um, spending a lot of time flicking. So did he? Did he play? Was he was he was he playing elsewhere? Was there times where he was playing? Was he playing on a wing behind the ball ahead of the? Was he playing mid? Because that that number, fourteen for him. He's 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 typically fourteen in a quarter. Yeah. Um. So that's a that that's an extreme aberration that number. But no doubt, um, he he is probably one that Sam Mitchell's thinking. Can I find? Can I create something different for him? Because yeah. I, I I want to. You know, in five, six years when this team is hopefully, for Hawks fans' sakes, humming and up and about, Tom Mitchell's not driving that midfield. Um, it's debatable whether he'd still be playing in four or five years. So yeah. I wonder whether they're thinking, can we find another position or another role or can he uh, be the um, target from the Ruckmans, hit two less? You know, there are a few things going on there. But, yeah, 14 disposals for him is... Um, that's um, that's staggeringly low. I mean, two disposals in the first quarter and only one in the last quarter. Um, is it? Uh, I, I was leaning towards it being um, a bit worrying for Hawthorne, but this is probably where they are in terms of a rebuild. I think they're coming back to the pack after yes. a really strong yes. start to the season, and they've got some tough games ahead: Richmond and I think Brisbane over the next two weeks. So we'll really see where the Hawks are at. At the moment, but yesterday there was a magnificent game of footy up at the SCG. It was the Gold Coast Suns who stunned the Sydney Swans, a genuine contender. And midfielder Braden Fiorini has been good enough to join us on Sunday Crunch Time. Braden, welcome to you and congratulations on the win. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Talk to me about the impact that a win like that over the Swans, who are a genuine contender this year, what impact does that have on the group as a whole? Yeah, it was a massive win for us in the end. Um, obviously, we, we started the year off pretty well and then our last few weeks has been um, a little bit inconsistent in, in phases of the game. So um, we've still kept that belief there internally. Um, externally, obviously, we haven't been getting the wins, which has been tough. But to get a big um, hard-fought win yesterday against a really good football club in Sydney was, was huge for our confidence. And I've been reading a lot about the game plan. Uh, Michael Whiting on AFL.com.au has written a couple of really great pieces um, talking through it. We've heard Stuart Dew talk about it and, and the adjustment. I mean, talk to me from a, a player's point of view how um, challenging it is and, and what you guys are going through in terms of adjusting it and finally getting the pieces of this puzzle to fall together. Yeah, um, it's, it has been a bit of a change this year with our game plan and um, you know, Dewey's been here a few years now, so um, we're starting to build. And um, this year, yeah, we've, we've adjusted a few things with our offensive ball movement and then um, our team defense, which has changed a little bit. But our contest has been pretty similar, and that's what we pride ourselves on with our contest and pressure. And um, that's been pretty consistent throughout the year. But we have um, had some inconsistencies with our team D and our ball movement at times throughout the year, which has let us down. So. Um, that was a major focus coming into this week, and I, I feel like we executed that really well on the weekend. Braden, it's uh, Josh Jenkins here. Congrats on yesterday's big win. You were given 
Uh, an armchair ride from your co-captain, Jared Witts. He was dominant yesterday, 19 disposals. He was all over the ground against Peter Laddams, who had been in good form, uh, 37 hitouts, 11 hitouts to advantage from the big fella, which he leads the competition in that category. So um, it must have been it, – it's easy to, to really um, have the tone set when your big man and your co-captain is, is playing in such great form. Yeah, exactly right, Josh. Um, he's been a massive presence for us. Obviously, we missed him a fair bit last year when he went down with that knee. So, um, to have him back this year and uh, put it on put it on a platter for us mids, uh, we can't ask for much more. But just his presence out there, you know, it makes us us mids around him walk a bit taller when he's out there playing like that. So, um, yeah, it was a huge game from the skipper yesterday. Braden, uh, Brett Phillips, well done. Uh, you do like the SCG. It's been quite <laughs> kind to you the last few years. Uh, I suppose my questions are in the, the bigger picture of the Gold Coast. If we just took out the win-loss as it stands uh, right now, you've been around for some time. You've been inside the leadership group. You've had some periods where you've been out of the team as well and have had to fight your way back as the list has continued to evolve and competition for spots. Do you Do you feel as someone who's one of the more experienced players, because we ponder the Gold Coast a lot down here. When are they going to really emerge and maybe stand up and threaten to make the finals? But how confident do you feel just internally about the direction of the club? Is it more bullish now than what it ever has been? Can you give us that sort of inner feeling? Yeah, definitely the most bullish we've been internally. Um, we had a really good pre-season. As I said, we, we think it our game plan a little bit there. We got some personnel in as well. Um, and we're just building at the moment. Like, we've got so much belief there. Obviously, we are judged on the wins and losses. That's just the industry we're in. So, um, But we're just trying to focus on, you know, one week at a time and just we can match it with the with the best in the competition. And the only thing that's let us down, I suppose, is that inconsistency. So um, the best teams show that they're turning up week in, week out. So we just need to try and get to that level. But we are building. And um, since I've been at the club, yeah, definitely the most bullish we've been and we're just going to take it one week at a time and we can't wait for next week already. And it was great to see big Rory Thompson, the big red-headed full-back, back in the <laughs> lineup, mate. He's been, you know, he's been um, absolutely torn apart by knee injuries and it's been a long time since he's played AFL footy. He almost kicked a goal in the first quarter, which would have been his first goal in nine years at AFL level. But he must have um, been given a great boost, uh, a great morale boost, having someone like that back in the 22. Yeah, exactly, mate. He was, um, he's probably the heart and soul of the Gold Coast Suns, as you said. He's, he's been around for a while and he's had a, had a tough road and um, he's shown great resilience to get back to, to where he is today. And um, He's put a, a good block in over the last sort of month or so in the VFL and training and um, it was just really good to see him get his opportunity again. And As you said, it definitely was a morale boost for the boys and would have been nice for him to kick that goal from 50, but... <laughs> Um, he's just so solid down back there and we have so much trust in him just, just to get the job done and he got, got it done yesterday. Braden, I want to ask you about your footy. I mean, the last two seasons, you've sort of been in and out of the side. You played um, the last eight games of, of last season as well. What, what's been the change for you to cementing your spot in the 22 for this season? Yeah, um, obviously it's been a, a tough couple of years there when I was in and out of the side and um, obviously just want to be playing every week, but um, I just tried to stay patient and just try and get better uh, every single week, whether it was playing in the VFL or training or just try and develop my game as much as I could. So um, probably the main shift I've tried to focus on is just my sort of intensity and speed in the contest um, and the pressure around the ball and just, yeah, being a bit more quick in, 
in there and just have an overall impact on the game. So I've just tried, as I said, gone away and tried to work on my game regardless of where I was playing and um, got a few games at the back end of last year and just tried to build that into the preseason this year and um, played every game this year, which is which is really good, but just trying to get better every week. And um, I love being back out there with the boys, so it's been good. Hey, can I just go back just for a fraction? Josh, you can probably weigh in here. Um, you know, in trying to be a great footy club, you talk about trying to get that consistency of effort every single week. And I'm always the, you know, I want to be the fly on the wall inside, watching the habits, watching how guys go about it individually, uh, collectively. And, you know, no doubt you look at the talent right now on this Gold Coast list and the players who are not in the team, that this team could really emerge. So what's the little things that we can't see, the little intangibles behind the scenes, Braden, that can maybe elevate this group to another level? It's a hard one to judge, but um, we probably have been labelled as that still young young group, which which we don't want to label ourselves as anymore. So um, I think it's just having that belief that we can achieve whatever we want to achieve. So um, we've got really good habits there. You know, the young boys have come through and um, they're really professional in the way they go about it. And I think the main one is just belief and believing we can match it with the best. As we've shown this year in patches, um, we took it up to Carlton, um, obviously yesterday with Sydney. We pushed Melbourne earlier in the year. So just the best teams in the competition we have shown that at our best, we can match it with them. So it's just that belief and, um, and the consistency, as I touched on before. Braden, I want to ask you about big Levi Casbolt from the Blues, who's come up um, sort of a, a late-ish addition. But he's been, you know, with Ben King going down to that long-term injury, he's been immense for you guys, giving you a, such a great target ahead of the footy. He was brilliant. Uh, last week here at the MCG against the Pies. And he didn't have his biggest game yesterday, but he bobs up, kicks a couple, and kicked uh, probably the sealer. So he's been immense for you guys, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been massive for us. Um, he's just the definition of playing your role week in, week out. You know, we're just, we know what we're going to get with him, just a big contest down the line. Um, I can't really remember the last time we got out Mark this year. So um, as you said, he might have had a little bit of a quieter one yesterday, but he still bopped up when we needed him and kicked two, I think, in the last. So um, he's been a massive pickup for us, and um, we love kicking it down his way. Brayden, thank you so much for joining us on Sunday Crunch Time. We really appreciate your time, and congratulations once again with the win yesterday. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. You too. Braden Fiorini there, Gold Coast midfielder. He had 29 touches and three clearances yesterday in the win. He was outstanding, and it's good to see him cementing his spot in the 22, and, and good to see the Suns yes, up and about. monstrous win because I was worried. Um, going back through their form, I was worried they were about to slip off the cliff, BP. They, they'd lost uh, their past three. They'd only won four quarters of footy in the past month, and I thought, oh, here we go. We've read this book before. But um, I just wanted to see them put in a competitive performance yeah. against the yeah. Swans yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And they led the whole game. Mm. Sydney did not lead that game for one second. So that was a really mature performance. Well, they kind of had to win twice in a way yes. because, yes. you know, the Swans came yes. back at yep. them and you thought, oh, yeah, the Swans are probably going to run over the top here. But the Suns, to their credit, they yeah, stood tall. brilliant. And they should take so much confidence from that. They're going to have their dips throughout the year because, you know, talent-wise and personnel-wise, they're not on... Uh, a level playing field with some other teams at the moment. But, you know, they're getting a lot from Casbolt, Wits in the Rock, some of these um, midfielders who are, you know, like Braden Fiorini who are doing their thing. Uh, 
just gives them that sort of glimmer of hope that they can be that consistent football team that they are longing to be. No, absolutely. And, you know, I think their, their list is, you know, obviously superbly talented, more forward half uh, brand of footy at the moment trying to get that conversion, which a lot of teams are trying to get that conversion right inside 50, the decision-making. Uh, and we want to see them emerge. Anyone who loves the national competition net wants to see this footy club at some point, you know, really make a statement, put a fork in the ground, say it's our time to, you know, really rise. And it can, look, it can take time, no doubt. And they've had to build a culture over a, a period. And there's always been these comparisons to GWS and their revolution before the Gold Coast. But, you know, you wonder when that time's going to come. Obviously, for Stuart Jew. You know, he needs it to come sooner rather than later because we know just the nature of the AFL coaching business and the man who's uh, lurking who's not coaching, who would love to be uh, coaching. The subs are in for today. Toby Bedford for Melbourne, uh, Marcus Winhager for uh, St Kilda. Although we did see uh, Josh yes. uh, Trent Rivers sort of been put through his paces I a little bit. I believe he's doing a little fitness test. Um, the purpose that I, – now, I've clearly done a lot of these pre-game, pre-pre-warm-ups – Yep, the one that's an hour or so before the game. I've never seen a team do it with more purpose than Melbourne. Mm. Uh, so, Christian Petrarca and Greg Stafford were lined up along the centre square, and Christian didn't leave until he sort of nailed a kick that tra- that tracked the centre square. Yeah, right. um, so, like the perfect drop punt. And now Rivers and and Choco Williams, um, normally in these warm ups, the players get left alone to sort yeah. of do it however they want to. But the coaches are very, very hands on here. Um, yeah, it's been very, it's been intriguing to watch some of these Melbourne players. Look, a couple of the Melbourne players are just sort of doing their own thing, but yep. some of these guys who really seek that coaching and the thirst to always be improving. It's been very, yeah, like very Ben Brown purposeful. was deep in conversation yes. there mm. for a while too. Ben, Max Gorn's just doing whatever he wants. Yeah, but he probably yeah, can. Probably let Max do his thing. <laughs> Got yeah. bananas from the pocket. Yeah, so um, it's going to be the strapping rivers to that knee. But yeah, yeah been, and he was doing. So I reckon he's got a little medial strain or something because mm. he was doing some. Um, some sort of lateral movement. Now they're doing it now with some mm. random ground balls just to see how he's going. So he might be a bit of a watch. But at this point, you'd imagine, and to my eye, he looks like he's moving okay. So you'd imagine he'll play, but maybe just one to keep an eye on. Well, that game not too far away. A one ten start for the Melbourne-St Kilda clash here at the MCG. Of course, there's another game of football going on this afternoon. That's 4.40 at Marvel Stadium, Carlton and Adelaide, Adelaide coming off a disappointing performance against the Giants last week, given they went into that game as favourites. So that's going to be another curious clash with Matthew Nix as well, out with the health and safety protocols. So, uh, yes, Scott Burns getting the... uh the nod yeah. of approval to well, step up. The record of the standing coaches well, this it, year. It went down last night with, unfortunately, Matthew Knights. And, but that, we won't maybe we can just, like the, I don't yeah, know can we, we take we that out? That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have to take that out. Poor Matthew Knights. I really feel for him having to step into, into that role and uh, in the hot seat once again after being coach at Essendon. But yep. Carlton and Adelaide coming your way later this afternoon, of course, Melbourne and St Kilda here at the MCG for Mother's Day football. Still plenty more to come on crunch time stay with us here we'll be back to talk more footy right after this the award-winning crunch time Enjoying Crunch Time Banter? Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy Crunch Time Bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858.
Well, we are at the mighty MCG this afternoon for Melbourne and St Kilda. It's always great to uh, check in with uh, Josh Jeans, who joins the show as he does every uh, Sunday. Uh, Josh, welcome. G'day, BP. How are we? Happy Mother's Day to everyone out there. Yes, Margaret Ann, she'll be cooking me dinner, she said later on. No, I'll, I'll take her out. I'll look after her. What did you make of... Uh... Oh, dare I say it, Josh, your Eagles uh, last night. Could you watch all of it? Good. Oh, God. You know, it's life's about perspective, BP, you know. So if we flip the table around, Eagles are sitting pretty at top. So, you know, it's all good <laughs> from our end, I reckon. Uh, nah, look, it is what the it optimist. is. But, yeah, you've got to live life to the best, uh, the fullest. So, nah, look, and Brilliant. then the crunch time team, you know, you've done all right uh, recently. And if we look back at last week, Tommy Sheridan as well, he picked nine from nine last week. I don't know how anyone's doing that this week, but uh, that was paying 80 bucks. So, Looking pretty good. Uh, you got the Saints today with a 22-and-a-half-point buffer. Uh, Blues 1-39. to 39. What are your thoughts there? Uh, so what did you say, the Saints? Just say that again. So you've got the, you've got the line, plus 22-and-a-half okay. over the Ds. So a bit of a head start for you. Yeah, how are they going to come back from Cairns is going to be the fascinating one. But I love Marshall back in the team, so... Mm. Yeah, look, this is a fascinating game. I mean, they say you've got to lose a game at some stage, but Melbourne are playing such a good footy. So, yeah, St Kilda will definitely find out uh, where they're at. Carlton, Adelaide? Yeah, you got Blues 1-39. to 39. So Yeah, that's a, that's a safe bet, I reckon. Although the Crows have got you their blue collar. I love the Crows. Uh, they'll, they'll be stinging from uh, last week. What about now you, Dermy, in the Saturday team? You struck out yesterday. What happened there? Mm. Well, you know, as I said, perspective, BB. You get, you got to look at it. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. But you know, if you'd like to jump on board the Dabble app, uh, it's great fun because, of course, social media meets betting. You follow your favourites, you follow the experts. Who are like a guy by the name of Scoot who picked five leg horse uh, horse legs, and he, that was paying four twenty eight, four hundred twenty eight dollars, and two hundred people copied that bet. So they were doing pretty well. So they've had a win as well. So you can go on, download the Dabble app, have a dabble, gamble responsibly. Good stuff. Thank you, Josh. Nice uh, work. Thanks, Josh Pete. Jeans from Dabble joining us now oh, on poor Sunday bloke. Crunch Time. Poor bloke, though. West Coast fan. I feel for West Coast yeah, fans well, out there. there. They're doing it real tough at the moment, are they? know the result before the first bounce. <laughs> yeah, it's tough times as a fan. <laughs> it is indeed. But another team that's doing it really tough in terms of their, their fans is North Melbourne. And that game on Friday night, one of the double headers was... Uh, well, it's fair to say it looked like a training drill at times for Fremantle. You're not going to take too much out of that one. But for North fans, I think, left asking a lot of questions. And this was Sam Edmund on Crunch Time yesterday. And it's not overstating things, Jared, to say there are questions being asked of the entire club by people inside the club. And that extends to the severity of and the seriousness of are those in the positions of power the right people to be in the position of power? So it is... It's only round eight, and you fear for the club at the moment. What needs to change, do you think, Josh? I mean, just obviously we discount off, Where would you like off to the start? field. I know. But what, when you're looking at North Melbourne out there, do you feel like they're invested in their footy when they're playing? Is it the more senior players who potentially aren't stepping up and leading the team? Because we know they're going through a list rebuilt. You've got the young guys. Jason Horn francis is trying his guts out. He's, he he's a first-year player. Um, they've got some exciting talent. You can see what they're doing with the likes of Will Phillips as well, Taron Thomas, Jai Simpkin. But what about the, the more senior players who are over the age of 26? Yeah. Are they doing 
doing enough to kind of help this young group come through? Well, well, evidently not because the performance is, is, is all the proof you need. And we've seen teams um, bottom out and struggle, but they seem to be as low as, as things get, BP, they just, they just, they, they are, they offered nothing on Friday night. They offered absolutely nothing. They kicked three goals for the entire game. They didn't kick a goal in the first quarter, so they didn't turn up with, you know, any great level of intensity and, 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 and will to, to stamp themselves on the game. Look, you know, deep down in their heart of hearts, they would have thought, well, it's unlikely we're going to win. And I've played in games where I thought, you know what, we probably won't win today, but, um, that doesn't mean you can't put your absolute best foot forward and still fight and be scrappy and tenacious and, and play for each other and, and really do it together. And they are just they are just so tame and uh, you just see nothing from North Melbourne that gives you any hope other than the, the, the fact that Horn Francis has a crack because uh, I never say the others don't, but you just don't see any spirit from North and that's what they've built their club history on. bonus spirit. So, Josh, in that regard, so it's, it's, the onus is on the players, isn't it? In this modern day of footy, I mean, we haven't got, you know, the fire and brimstone coaches now. Yeah. It's picking your moment when you need to maybe uh, give your team a rev. But really, the modern day coach now is saying to the players, you've got to bring that, yep. the energy, the effort, uh, the will to compete. So the connection then between players and coaching stuff, this is the stuff we can't see uh, behind the scenes because you would think... and. You've played the game, so I bow to you that when you cross that white line, you want to give it everything. This is your job. You love your job. You want to compete. You want to tackle. You want to, you know, have this fierce desire to win. And some days it doesn't quite go right, as we know. But then what's the connection? Is there not the connection between the coaches and the players in driving this sort of environment? This is the thing that intrigues me when a team is really struggling. Mm. I don't know whether they are yet even at the point where they know how they want to play or, yeah. or, or they can identify because you, your system needs to match your personnel. I'm a yep. big believer. You can't just have, as a coaching group, you can't just say, this is how we're going to play no matter what. It's going to work. It needs to match what you've got. And I think they're still trying to find out what they have got. Like, they've got Larky up front. But, you know, Zerhar's been up and down. He was basically he was one of their only goal kickers the other night. But he's been up, down. Um, they haven't really found anyone to sort of stand alongside Larky as, a, as another key pillar. They've got a couple of young guys they've thrown in and out that seem a fair way away. Coleman Jones, I presume, was promised plenty of AFL footy when he was recruited from Richmond. He was in the VFL after one week. Um, Todd Goldstein looks like he's being phased out. So he has looked certainly um, low on confidence at different stages. Zebel starts back, goes forward, has a big game. Yeah, he's been nowhere since then. So um, it's it's it still looks to me to be a case of them trying to figure out exactly what they've got, how they want to play, and whilst they're figuring that out, they're copying some serious hidings. Well, they certainly are. I mean, with 30 games into David Noble's coaching career at North Melbourne, they've just got the five wins under him, 25 losses. I think a lot of people naturally turn to the coach, can yeah. he coach, can't he? Um, and, and obviously it's a win-loss <laughs> industry. So for coaches, it, it's pretty tough. But it's is it the coach also not speaking the same language potentially as, as the players or, or what, what needs to be done? And what things have been done in the past when you've been playing and in, in, in a struggling side to kind of freshen things up or rejuvenate? Do you need to do something different? 
You do, but you can only do, they've probably done that four times this year, and you can only go to that well so many times as well. I mean, they are they are that lucky that they play, and I worked this game, I think it might have been with UBP, when they played West Coast mm. at Marvel Stadium. Yep. Yep. They fell in. They mm. fell in against West Coast. Mm. Jack Darling missed an easy shot at goal. Liam Ryan missed three shots at goal. They were very, very lucky not to lose that game, and we watched... Uh, West Coast introduced themselves to new players <laughs> yeah, on that right. day before yep. the uh, before the game. So they are that lucky that they've got a win on the board. If they hadn't yet faced West Coast um, or, or faced them in that in that manner, they would be winless and it would be a whole different t- uh, ball game. But um, you've just got to go to your cornerstone. And again, this is the, the, the real contradiction even from what I'm saying. I don't know whether they know what their cornerstone is, but if it's, de- if it's defence then it's defend for your life. If it's contest, then crack in. And look, if they get outside us and they and they can spread on us a little bit, we'll live with that. We'll build that part later. But whatever it is, you just got to go after it with everything that you possibly can. They've got big bodies around the footy, you know, Greenwood mm. and Taron mm. Thomas and a few others, Horn Francis, Simpkins. So they've got some talent more competitive. around the ball, but yeah. they just haven't been consistently competitive around the ball either. So. Yep. They're in a world of pain. There's yeah, no so other way to put it. No, that's right. There's the effort. You've got to bring that. But, I mean, yeah, there's skill execution. Uh, it's oh, There's no other way of late putting in it. The, late in the game, the horrendous fourth quarter on Friday night. They should be going inside 50. Anderson takes a nice mark. Handballs the ball to Horn Francis, who's not even looking. And yeah. I just thought to myself, well, that is, that is symbolic. If you want to show mm. anything that, about North from this year, and that's it. One teammate... Trying to handball it to another who's not even watching and, and focused on the ball and it hits him in the back. Fremantle walk it down the other end and yep. kick a goal. And yeah, you know, Fremantle were in third gear on Friday night and um, probably lucky that it was you know it was still ugly one hundred two to twenty four, but they're lucky it wasn't one fifty to twenty four to be frank. So North Melbourne next play Port Adelaide. Up and That's about, the Port. next game. Who are up and about? As you say, they've won three games on the trot now after starting the season at zero and five with. Uh, a 17-point win over the Bulldogs on Friday night. The Dogs, three and five. And I wanted to ask you something about the mental scars that a big grand final blowout, and I hate to bring this up and take you back to, to 2017, but yes. if we look at teams in the past who have experienced a massive uh, blowout in a grand final. It hasn't gone well for them traditionally the year before. 2007, the Power lose by 119 points. They finished 13th the year after the Giants. 2019, they lose a grand final by 89 points, finished 10th. Um, the Demons back in 2000 lost a grand final by 60 points. They finished 11th the year after. Your Crows lose by 48 in 2017. They finished 12th. And the Dogs... 74-point losers in the grand final to the Ds last year. They're 10th after eight rounds of footy. Is is this a thing, the mental scars that can carry over to the next season after a huge grand final loss? I think it can be a thing. Um, I don't know that it, it, it definitely is a thing. I think you can. In, I think it's something you can you can create. So it's it's um it's self-administered. I think if you get a little, uh, if you get um caught up in the in the emotion of the loss and we yep. did this and I reckon other teams have certainly done this mm. if you make the mistake of thinking that you are the team I've said this a lot the grand final losing team is the team that that, that technically needs to improve the least of those who don't win the premiership the mistake I think teams make is we need to improve the most so we need yep. to change everything and and you couple that with 
the heartache of the loss and the reality of how hard and how far it is to get back there and things can potentially spiral quickly. Um, so I think it can be a thing only if you let it become a thing. It's not, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not any harder for you to get back than it is for anyone else. Of course, you've got the heartache, but you could also argue that, that you've got more drive and you've got more um, desire to get back because you've, you've tasted what it could be like to, to get there and win. So I think teams that um, – and, and the coaches and the club have to drive this stuff. Like, you know, we got very, very close – um, it was a momentous achievement. We're going to celebrate the achievement yep. because as an industry, the grand final loser really um, gets dealt quite harshly, yep. in my opinion. Even the prelim final losers get dealt mm. quite harshly. You look at the Super Bowl. They're celebrated. There's yeah. a large trophy given to mm. the team who makes the Super Bowl but doesn't win. So um, it's, it's a different way of going about it. And I think the clubs have to really um, sink their teeth into the fact that we had a great season Yes, things went really badly on grand final day, but I think on grand final day as well, when the realisation sets in that, A, we're going to win and let's we're just cruising and B, we're going to lose, and this is terrible, that's when you can see a big gulf in scores as well. So um, you've got to really be careful how you deal with it thereafter. I think he's an interesting watch, Luke Beveridge. Very, very. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's a fascinating guy to listen yes. to. He's a deep thinker, uh, you know, tactically astute. Very good in the box. Um, but he looked a little spent on Friday night as he walked out onto the ground just thinking, OK, where do we go from here? And, I mean, some teams can cover uh, losses more, but, you know, and injuries aren't an excuse. But, gee, oh, I mean, Alex having, Keith down yeah, back. That's they, the they big desperately one, need isn't him. it? Bruce missing in the forward line. And then yeah. English was having the most influence that he's ever had in a season up until uh, being out of the team. So they're a team that need all those pillars, but, you know, modern-day footy, you don't get to always, <laughs> very rarely, you get to have your best uh, 22. But, yeah, it's a challenge right now. They're in the pack. It certainly is a challenge for Luke Beveridge and his Bulldogs at three and five. All right, we are counting down to the clash between Melbourne and St Kilda here at the MCG. We'll chat about that game right after this. The award-winning Crunch Time. Welcome to Sunday Crunch Time. Not far away now from the game at the beautiful MCG kicking off between Melbourne. Undefeated this season are the Premiers up against St Kilda. This is going to be an intriguing clash. The Saints obviously coming off a loss last week. One point. Uh, to Port Adelaide. They lost that game in Cairns. It was a really, really tough slog. And I'm curious, BP, of how they're actually going to recover. Um, and because it was tough conditions and actually play out there today. I mean, Port didn't look too fatigued on Friday night, but uh, it certainly was a tough game in Cairns. Yeah, called that game. It was tough to call, let me tell you, with the amount of behinds uh, <laughs> last uh, Saturday night. And, and St Kilda will rue that one, uh, one that certainly uh, got away, an opportunity to be even better better placed in this much improved season but today they get the ultimate test so I think as Brett Ratton said it during the week we find out a bit about our team uh, today and whether we can match it against the absolute benchmark of the competition. I think Zach Jones back in. Uh, yep. Josh is a really good inclusion. Yeah. A couple of games uh, playing for Sandy in the, the VFL and Marshall back in with Ryder uh, up against Jackson and, and Gorn will be a, a great contest so yeah I mean the Saints are still missing a few as we know that can come back into this uh, 22 uh, but their brand of footy has been pretty good this year, but we get a, the absolute test today. 
No late changes to either side as well. The medical subs for Melbourne, Toby Bedford, and for St Kilda, it's Marcus Windhager. Of course, Melbourne getting back quite a few very handy players indeed. <laughs> Not only did they get their coach back after health and safety protocols last week, but Luke Jackson, Alex Neil Bull and Harrison Petty, Cozzy Pickett and Tom Sparrow all come back into the side. Zach Jones and Rowan Marshall in for the Saints. But, I mean, when we interviewed Greg Stafford uh, just after 11 o'clock this morning on Sunday crunch time, JJ, it didn't sound like the players that had COVID and that were coming back were too affected by it. So hopefully they're able to run out today's game. Yeah, well, uh, we saw Fremantle uh, leave Chapman and Young out yeah, for their for trip to, to, yep. to Geelong. So they decided to leave them out and let them have a week of training because it's one thing to bounce back through it well, but you haven't trained. You haven't done much at all because you've been stuck at home or stuck in isolation for seven days. So your, your level of training and weights and those sorts of things completely falls off a cliff. So, um, yeah, it will be interesting because there's a handful of them coming back for the Ds. But, I mean, they're so well maintained and looked after from a sports science point of view and a medical point of view that they wouldn't pick them unless they were ready to go, particularly picking a few as well because you wouldn't want sort of two or three to start to struggle uh, throughout the game because that starts to really hamstring you. Just looking at Melbourne's forward line, over obviously Sam Wiedemann has been omitted, so they're going with Ben Brown and, and Tom McDonald. Sam Wiedemann, a young player coming through. Where is the tipping point, do you think, where you just need to go, this kid's got to play week in, week um, out? No, well, we, well, no, well they're, they're, they're chasing another premiership. So they are they, – they're look, they've got the fl- – the, the, Luxury of playing Wiedemann if they or anyone that they want to develop for that matter. But uh, Greg Stafford said it as well. You know, Wiedemann he showed glimpses. He kicked four in his first game, and then he was quiet for a couple. And they gave him an extra chance, and um, he got an extra week. But he just wasn't able to just. Um, uh, when you get a, an opportunity, yep. you need to say drop someone else. Yeah. You can't drop me. You yep. got to find someone else. Now, I, I firmly believe that that they are happy to make the decision to go with Wiedemann and, and leave McDonald out. Not this week because it was his 200th game. Yep. But they need the form to stack up as well. So they need Wiedemann to clearly offer as much or close to as much as McDonald does and then they can go It was the Wiedemann. aerial game yeah. too that Greg Stafford yeah. sort of spoke about. And McDonald, the area of McDonald plays a really different role to Ben Brown and Jackson. So McDonald's that real athletic endurance animal who gets up to half back and runs all the way back, whereas Brown does his work inside 50 and... We know Jackson's sort of ruck forward bench. So um, McDonald plays it in a different manner as well, and that's probably something that Wiedemann has to work on as well. Uh, no doubt. A bit like you know, a bit like Josh Shecky, isn't it? I mean, you know, they've both been in and out all the time. If they don't quite bring that intent yeah. when the ball's in their area and that fierce yeah. um, you know, aerial capability and bring it to ground and keep the ball in their area, then... Uh, you know, their magnet just gets... Uh, sometimes yeah. it's in and sometimes yep. it's out. Yep. It's always on that borderline. Giving them a chance today? I am. Uh, the Saints? Saints? Yes. I'm definitely giving Melbourne a chance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I'm d- definitely giving St Kilda a chance. And sometimes you get a bit of a feel when you get to the ground. And that's probably a little bit foolish. You're probably inventing <laughs> that in your own head. But I definitely give them a chance. Um, to looks to be a late arriving crowd. I would expect it to be um, a pretty good it might crowd. Be just Mother's Day brunch and yeah, they're going to come in a little bit the later. Brunch they're and breakfast it up. And, yep. uh, they'll be in. Here about one fifteen, one thirty. But I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a really exciting game of footy today. That was interesting. That I, I actually know. came here for the second half. So I had a kid's first birthday, and I, my dad was sitting up at the punt radio. I'll come in and watch the second half. 
All these people who come in for the, sometimes just the second half of a yeah. game, I find really interesting. I was a guy that got there two hours before <laughs> the bounce. We'd watch the twos and you'd take in the whole day, but people said I was drifting for a quarter. I know, it's weird, isn't it? I hate missing the first bounce. I hate the, yeah. missing the teams run through the banners too. You want to see the, the know, players out there warming the up. It's all part of it. But no, I think these days life gets in the way yep. sometimes. Netflix and cafes <laughs> and coffees and all sorts of things. Well, especially now we can do things out yeah. of COVID. So uh, yep. I think that's um, been a big part of it. No, but I'm really looking forward to this clash at the MCG today. Of course, the other game, Marvel Stadium at 4.40pm, Carlton up against Adelaide, which should be another interesting game. Just the two on Sunday for Mother's Day. It's been a pleasure having your company on Sunday, Crunch Time. BP and JJ, thanks so much for joining us. Absolute pleasure, pleasure. as always, The Nat. call coming up. That's right. Plenty more to come on AFL Nation. Stick around, enjoy your Sunday, and, of course, enjoy the call of all the games of footy right here on 1116 SEN. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.